Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Joey, for those of you that are new, and I just want to say welcome. This season is my favorite time of year. Anybody else with me? Is this? Yes. Just something, something inside of me just like wants to burst out. And I, I can't really define what that is, but it's, it's like as we get closer and closer to the Christmas season, it just begins to bubble up. And I, I found a short clip that best illustrates maybe what is happening inside of me. Let's play that. Crank it. Just this, this just Merry Christmas, this exuberant, this uh, loud, just erupt of praise. It's just so exciting to put the lights out, to start decorating the house, getting the tree up, and, and all the, the Christmas movies. My, my daughter London and I, uh, this past summer, we had a little daddy-daughter time, and uh, I think my genetics are passing down to her most strongly because her idea was to put on Christmas jammies and watch a Christmas movie. And so we did that this summer, but now we get to, like, live it and not feel weird about it, you know. So it's, uh, it's so exciting. It's so much fun. But now we have no excuse. We're in the full swing. And I know many of you have probably already begun your Christmas shopping, maybe have already completed your Christmas shopping lists. And, um, but what I want to do for the next two weeks, today and next week, is talk about presenting the greatest gift. Presenting the greatest gift. We uh, go through this year after year, hustle and bustle to buy the greatest gift. And there's so many influences in our culture that really try to pull us away from what really matters in life. We, we, we center this, like we know this is about Jesus. We understand that this, this season is about the birth of Christ the Lord, amen? But we're all the movies about Christ the Lord. We're all the decorations, except not for in the Catholic Church parking lot. Right? This season, which is about the birth of the most important person that's ever walked on the face of the earth, has been preempted by cultural influence and traditions that are apart from the very purpose to why this season exists altogether. And so I want to talk about presenting the greatest gift, especially as we're all out to seek the ideal gift. Now, I know as a child, when we sense Christmas coming, for many of us, again, we know this is about Jesus, and and we get real spiritual around this time in a lot of ways, but what our focus really is on, if you're kids, is your Christmas list. How many of you kids have already filled out and sent off your Christmas list? How many? A few of you? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to name which ones, but one of my children had an extensive list, several pages long, totaling hundreds of dollars. All right, right. so this this is uh, something that happens. Kids are focused on what they're going to get. Parents are focused on how the heck they're going to get what their kids are expecting to get. Amen? Right, this is just this normal routine that we have. There's a huge focus on the gifts and trying to get all the deals. I know 
like before COVID, Black Friday was a thing, right? Especially if you're on a budget, Black Friday is your favorite day of the year because you can buy that expensive gift for dirt cheap and you can pretend like you're all, you're the best parent in the world. You're like, you know, we got you this. Yes, we're rolling and in, not really, but yeah, we're going to pretend like it for one day, right? Black Friday was a thing because who doesn't like, as a parent especially, who doesn't like watching your kids open that gift that they've been really wanting? The joy that's on their heart. My, my son Reese was so much fun to watch open gifts when he was a young kid because he celebrated each present like we saw in the clip right there. He's like, yeah, you know, it was like, it was awesome. He used to just burst out. It was so much fun. And I remember those days. And so the idea of receiving gifts and gift giving is so much fun. And it's a lot of what we do around this holiday, but often it causes us to lose sight of what really matters in this season. There's a parable Jesus tells to those who are following him one day found in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And here's what it says. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will lay down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, have you ample goods laid up for many years? Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The influence of this world would have us to believe the ultimate goal in life is to accumulate much. To dwell in comfort and ride out life in ease. And every advertisement you see on TV for every product is aimed at convincing us that in order for our lives to be better, to be richer, to be more comfortable, we need this product. You have this issue? Voila, we've got a product for you. For our joy to be full, we need this toy. For our excitement to be maxed, we need this next latest and greatest game. But Jesus said, beware of covetousness. That's a big fancy word that means beware of a greedy heart. Beware of the desire to have more than what you need. In 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, Paul tells Timothy, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires and plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many people get this verse incorrectly. They think money is the root of evil. Money is not the root of evil. Paul is not saying it's wrong to have money. He's saying the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the greedy heart. Beware of covetousness. Beware of this desire, this insatiable desire to have more than what you need. He says, some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. 
beware of greedy hearts. Why is this pursuit of more so harmful? It's because that craving can never be desired. If you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest, richest man in all the world, he goes along and cites everything God had blessed him with, all the riches, all the wealth, all the experiences, all the encounters that he had with with uh, women and all the nine, all the, the drinking and partying he could ever have. And at the end of it, he said, it's like chasing the wind. It's like chasing the wind. You're never satisfied. You never get to the place where you catch what you're searching for. It's that it's all vanity. It means absolutely nothing. Beware. Is it a sin to be wealthy? Absolutely not. But the lust for wealth is dangerous because it leads to many struggles and complications. We can see, even in our day, what the lust for wealth does to our politics, does to the people we admire, does to the famous. If wealth was all that, then why do famous people die of drug addiction and overdose? Right? What, what's the reality behind the quest for more? Beware. Matthew 6, verse 20, here's what Jesus says. He says, not to lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. That we should, we should lay up for ourselves treasure, but not the tr- kind of treasure that is corruptible, not the kind of treasure that can break down. The focus of our lives should not be on earthly wealth, but on heavenly riches. Jesus said, beware of those that have a covetous heart and that aren't rich toward God. This is what he's saying. He's saying there's a difference between tangible riches that are finite and temporary that eventually uh, today's treasure will become tomorrow's trash. If you think about just the stuff that you've had over the course of your life, is it not true that, that so many people, I, I, I pick on iPhone a lot because it seems to be the favorite uh, in many ways. The iPhone 12 recently came out. Anybody here have an iPhone 12? I know at least a couple people, right? It's awesome, right? iPhone 12 costs almost $1,000 brand new. It's crazy. But the moment it came out, so did several other versions of the iPhone 12. And just this week, I saw now there's an iPhone 12 mini. Right, so you, you save up your money to get the latest and greatest. You spend your money on this thing, and two seconds later, it's no longer the latest and the greatest. It's no longer the best. Soon, iPhone 13 will be out, and you'll no longer have the best or the latest. Your software will be outdated. They'll stop updating your phone. Your hardware will be out of style. It'll be burnout. out. Your stinking battery will stop holding a charge. Can I get an amen, anybody? My goodness. It's like they only build five-year phones. They, they, don't la- they don't last beyond, like, really three years. Right? That $1,000 phone you spent so much on, you were so excited about, just tomorrow will no longer be worth $1,000. Soon you're going to trade it in for yet another better, greater phone. And a few years from now, that $1,000 phone you just spent money on, the companies are going to give away for free for new signups. I mean, the iPhone 6S, they're giving away for free if you sign up as a new 
uh, a new um, customer at a lot of these carriers. Does it cost less for them to build an iPhone 6S today as it did when it was brand new? No. Same material, same cost. What's different? Do the materials make up those items somehow become less valuable? No. Why is that? It's because worth has nothing to do with material. It has everything to do with value. The worth of an object has nothing to do with the material, but it has everything to do with the value you put on it. Everything to do with value. What you ascribe the greatest value will be what is of greatest worth to you. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Whatever you value the most will be of greatest worth to you. A movie that came out years ago when I was a kid was called Richie Rich, starring Macaulay Culkin. And his parents were the richest people in all the world, and his dad's, Richie's dad's partner decides that he wants to stage a coup. He wants to kill the parents so he can take all the money. He can take over the company and take all the money because he knows on their property there's this secret vault where he believes the riches of the world are stored. And so the you know, hijinks ensue through the whole thing. It's kind of a comedy, family comedy. But at the end of the movie, they get to the place where they're in the vault, and the vault door is opened, and to his surprise, there is no money in the vault. But what's in there? Family heirlooms, things of Richie's childhood, because they were the things the family actually valued most. When he finally got in there, he was discouraged because what was of greatest worth was what they ascribed the greatest values. They didn't care about the money. That was in stocks and bonds and in the bank. What they cared about was the things they could never replace. So just think of the things you're striving for in your life today. What are you striving for? What are you ascribing the greatest value in your life? See, we live in this reality every day. It's a fool's errand to strive for the latest and greatest trinkets and treasures because tomorrow there'll be something else to chase. The worth of tangible treasure is only temporary. What is Jesus saying to us here? He says, regarding to laying up treasure in heaven, he says there is a difference between tangible and intangible treasure. One is corrupted by dust, moths, rust, and thieves. The others is untouchable. It cannot be corrupted. It cannot be destroyed. It is pure. It's eternal. One is temporary. The other is everlasting. Intangible treasure has eternal implications. And to be rich toward God means you're stocking up, you're stockpiling treasures in heaven. You're stockpiling treasures away in the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul talking to the church of Corinth, he's talking about the day of judgment when we stand before God. He says, on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Value to who? Value to God. If it has any value to God. Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. Jesus in John 14 said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when that place is ready, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you into myself. He's preparing us a home in heaven. Isn't that a good thought? Amen. What's he using to build that place for you?
Might it be the treasure you're sending his way? Might it be the work that you're sending out for him to use? You see, Paul here is calling on us to live lives in pursuit of heavenly treasure that will last for eternity so that when we stand before God and we receive our reward, we're not left empty-handed. That we're not paupers in the kingdom. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first in the kingdom of God. What's that mean? It means those on earth today that we think are first, the rich, the powerful, the affluent, the famous people, the stars, they're going to be last in the kingdom. The first are the ones who are meek, that were humble, that inherit the earth, that inherit the blessings of God. Those that are first now will be last. The last will be first. Why? Because of pursuit. The difference between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. And this is what he's referring to in the kingdom of God. Those who focus on eternal treasure will be great in the kingdom. Those who focus on temporary treasure will be last. So this Christmas... As we shift into holiday cheer, let's refocus not on tangibles, but intangibles. Not temporal, but eternal. And let's, let's let this perspective enter into our hearts as we really seek to honor the Lord. Now on a practical level, if we think about the greatest gift, presenting your greatest gift to the people that you care for in your life. The greatest gifts are the ones that never get old. The greatest gifts are the ones that never wear out. They're just as meaningful today as they were yesterday. They're the ones that reach you in a place that no other kind of gift can reach you. They're priceless. They're the things you treasure forever. And it's not so much in what the gift is, but more so the feeling that the gift brings. The meaning behind the gift. The memory that the gift creates and the intangible that the gift brings usually is an expression of somebody else's love for you. I like to use this illustration because I think it's so practical. We think of gift cards versus like a unique, off-the-wall, it's-a-thought-that-counts kind of gift. You know what I'm talking about? Now, gift cards are awesome. There have been times where our family has been like, we don't know what we're going to eat tonight or where we're going to find money to buy food. And all of a sudden, a gift card pops up and we're like, praise God for the gift card, right? Like, it's Applebee's tonight. I thought we were warming up canned, whatever, you know. But, uh, but we're eating good tonight. And so there have been many times we've been blessed with a gift card. I love gift cards. But more so than a gift card, it's what we usually have happen or imply when we buy a gift card. A gift card is normally... The gift you buy when you don't have enough time to actually put thought into a gift. You know, when you get invited to that last-second birthday party, and it's like, oh, no, what I'm going to get? I don't know. Gift card. You know, it's, a, it's just like one of those types of gifts. So we can think about the gift card as one of those gifts that we just pick up just to be nice and just to have a, a show of love in a small way. But it's not something we really put a lot of thought and intention into. I can't remember every gift card I've ever received, and probably you are the same way. But then there are those gifts that you know speak a greater story. The ones where you're having a conversation with your friend, and you're talking about something that you're not even really like, giving a lot of credit to, and they hear you say, man, I would really like one of those things. And you just don't even think about it, but then for your birthday party, then you get one. What's that say? It says they were listening. They were paying attention, that they care about your heart. 
right? Those types of gifts are the gifts that matter so much more than even an expensive gift. Even something that we maybe spend a lot of money on. Why? Because it's the thought behind it that really counts. What I know to be true is like every Christmas wish list I ever created as a child, I maybe remember like two or three gifts I ever asked for growing up. Just a couple. I don't know how many Christmas lists I ever made, but I don't remember the majority of things that were on my Christmas list. But what I get excited about now is not gifts. I could care less if I even got a gift on Christmas. What I care about now is what I get to do with my family, family traditions, putting up the lights and the decorations together, watching Christmas movies and, and building uh, gingerbread houses and just the things that we do, going to Bronner's, getting dressed up for nothing and walking around a store looking at Christmas decorations, right? It, it's, it, it's not like expensive. It doesn't cost us anything but time, but that time is invaluable. Just being together. You know, I recently lost my grandparents to Alzheimer's and dementia, and I remember my grandfather's last few days just talking to him on the phone, and, and it's amazing when you're at the end of life what matters to you. You know, my wife will, you know, and I talk about this often, usually when I'm working too much and not paying attention to the family, she'll ask me this question, be like, at the end of your life, what is going to matter more to you, spending the time you miss with your family or the hours of work you didn't put in? You know, it's just perspective thing. But when I was talking to my grandfather, he couldn't remember 10 seconds before. He had no short-term memory. And as I'm talking to him, he would ask me the same questions. How are the kids? How's the church? How's your family? How are the kids? How's the church? And I would explain it all to him, and then he'd ask me the same question again as if we never had the previous conversation. And so I'd spend 15, 20 minutes having the same conversation over and over again before I would have to go. You know, I could have bought him an iPhone. I could have bought him a whole new wardrobe. Could have bought him the best TV, every DVD he's ever wanted. But you know what would actually matter to him in that moment, in his situation? The best gift I could have given him was a phone call. It was a phone call. It was time. Quality time. And when I was talking to him, in the eagerness of those questions, you could tell he was struggling to hold on to those moments. They were priceless to him. They were priceless. What I want to encourage all of us this year amidst buying gifts for those that we love is to remember that the greatest gift you can give does not have a dollar sign attached to it. The greatest gift you can give is your love. If you want to present the greatest gift, the greatest present you can give is being present in the lives of those that you love. Being present, being available, being there. And there are many ways we can present ourselves and show our love. The, uh, years ago, a man named Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Has anybody read The Five Love Languages? Very popular book. I would strongly suggest everyone pick it up. Uh, anytime you apply for a new job, often they give you a personality test to help you kind of see what kind of personality you have to help right fit you in an organization. And so there are many of us that know about our personalities. Some of us try to deny our personalities because of different things. But, but we go through these personality tests to let us know what our strengths and our weaknesses are. 
and, uh, and they're very profitable. And this book talks about your love language, which is, which is like a personality test. It's how you receive and give love. It helps you see the way in which you interpret love most prominently or dominantly. And there are five ways that we really see, receive and give love. And, and we're kind of a mix of all of them, but we have like dominant ways that we normally give love. And there's five ways that he identifies as love languages. There are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. These are the five main ways we give and receive or interpret love from one another. And, and often you'll see in a marriage, the marriage will struggle and one will feel unloved and the other one doesn't know why. It's because they're not speaking each other's language. You know, there, there's a miscommunication in the language of love. And so by identifying each other's love language, it's a great way to begin working towards getting back on the same page. But words of affirmation, it's simply encouraging other people, building them up, seeing the treasure in them that God sees, and calling it out, especially when they don't see it in themselves. It's not just a, a general, hey, man, I think you're awesome. You know, there's, we, we do that in passing. Like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm doing great. You know, like, hey, man, I think you're awesome. You know, we might, we might think that, but it's not as genuine as looking someone in the eye and saying, Man, I have witnessed you being the most generous person I have ever seen, and your generosity inspires me. And I just want you to know that you're doing an awesome work, and you keep it up because people are seeing that, and you're making a huge impact in somebody's life. It's different. Words of affirmation build up. They strengthen. And often, some feel unloved in a relationship because they're not being affirmed when that's their primary love language. Then there's acts of service. It's not just doing things for people, it's going out of your way to demonstrate love through an intentional act of self-sacrifice, right? I could pay for somebody to wash my wife's car. It's different if I take her car to the car wash and wash it myself, right? I, I could pay to have someone clean my house, but it's different if I went and cleaned the house for my wife or I went to your house and cleaned your house for you. It's, it's different if you take it upon yourself to be self-sacrificial, and this is what it means by acts of service, denying yourself and sacrificing for, for love to, to show love to someone else. I have to brag on uh, the shambles for a minute. Um, not only do they help keep my refrigerator stocked with venison from time to time, which that enough will keep my friendship for life. Um, but the other day, uh, I was starting to clean up my yard with my little push mower. I knew it would take me about you know an hour or so to clean up my yard and got my earphones in and I'm, you know, trucking along doing my thing and all of a sudden I get bombarded with a fleet of riding lawnmowers and within 10 minutes they had my entire yard just, just taken care of. It was so awesome. Danny and, and Ron and the crew came over to do that. They didn't have to do that, but they did it to show love and I will be forever grateful for that. It, it, was, it was awesome for them, to, for them to do that. And so things like that make an impact on people. And so acts of service is a great way to be intentional. Then there is gift giving. Some of you, your love language is receiving gifts. How do you know it's receiving gifts? Because you're awesome at giving gifts. You're the one that thinks about the little gifts for people in your life, and you pick them up not even thinking about it. It doesn't even have to be a special occasion. You're like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. I think I'll buy that for them. That gives you an idea that you're a person whose love language is giving gifts. But there's a difference, again, between the gift card and the, the just the really the thought that count gifts. 
and giving gifts again has to have your heart attached to it. Quality time is the next one, spending time together. I know we do a lot of fun things at Christmas time, but I just want to encourage you that watching a movie, right, how many of you know that when you go, when you watch a movie with someone you love, that's not really quality time? That's time, but it's not really quality time. Because you can be completely disconnected from one another and engrossed in the film and have no relationship re, uh, you know, interaction going on at, at all. It's not really quality time. It's time, but not quality time. When we're talking about quality time, we're talking about time that builds intimacy together. Time that builds. It's like taking your family out to Bronner's or going out to a fancy restaurant, putting the phones away, and just having time to talk and to communicate and to really invest in one another. Doing things where connection and conversation, giving opportunity to laugh together, to cry together, to have fun, to make those memories and have those moments. This is why the studies show that families that eat dinner together are far more healthy and stable than families that don't. Because it's not just time, it's quality time that's so very important. And so is when we're showing love to one another. And lastly, there's physical touch. I know during quarantine and the pandemic, this has been kind of a damper, right? It's supposed to be six feet away or 14 feet away or 25 feet away or, or zero feet away if you're in the grocery store in line with one another. You know, you know who knows what the, the status is. But quarantine seemed to put a damper on physical touch. But for those who have love language of physical touch, this is important. And often, especially in regards to couples, couples that don't hold hands together anymore, they don't snuggle anymore, they don't kiss anymore, it often shows an issue or a growing problem in their relationship. Physical touch is a key sign to showing love to one another. How many, how many of you can think of a reality where if you didn't ever hug your children, if you never hugged your children, what kind of connection would you have with your kids? Right? If your kids and you never hugged your parents, how... How, what kind of a connection would you have? Physical touch is very important in the life of people and the way we show love to one another. And in the church, we show love through touch by laying hands on one another when we pray. Not only do we often give a hug when we, when we greet each other, but when we pray for one another, we lay hands on each other. Why? Because it's a demonstration of love for one another. There are many ways that, that through physical touch we can show love for one another, but it helps create, cultivate, and continue that connection. So when we talk about the love languages, why are we talking about this? Because it's important for us to check out of the normal hustle and bustle and take a minute to really evaluate where we are and how we're showing love to the people that are most important in our lives, to the people that we're around each and every day. If we really want to be present or present the greatest gift this holiday season, we have to recognize the greatest gift that we can present is us. It's us. It's not just buying present. It's being present. It's giving our hearts. In prayer this week, my wife and I were praying, and as I was praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit just lay this on my heart, and I just prayed this out, and I didn't even know it was going to pertain to the message. But when I was praying, the word I just believe the Lord gave me this week was don't miss the gift while striving so hard to acquire the blessing. Don't miss the gift while striving so hard to acquire the blessing. You've heard the, the statement, don't miss the forest through the trees, right? right, right. Don't, don't miss the beauty before you by searching you know, for something that's not there. The same is true here. 
as we're striving to find the perfect gift, don't lose sight of the perfect gifts already in your life. Don't lose sight of being the perfect gift. In other words, not only is your heart, your love so important, being present for others is the greatest gift you could give. In the movie we saw at the beginning, It's a Wonderful Life, at the end of the movie, after years of regret, George Bailey is stuck in this very difficult position, about ready to go to jail. And at the end of the movie, as he's just come out of this encounter with the angel, he's come to realize the most important thing he had in life wasn't this dream of experiences and, and wealth and power and fame and fortune, but his true hope, his true dream of fulfillment was found in his very own family, the people that he loved. All of a sudden, all these people came flooding into his home, giving gifts of money to help this debt that he had that he couldn't repay. And as everyone's celebrating, his brother, just back from war, declares George Bailey the richest man in town. And it was not because he had the most money, but because he had the most friends. And at that time, this book opens. It was a gift from the angel, Clarence, and it says, a man is not a failure who has friends. And the point is, is that we often lose sight of what is really the most valuable to us, what matters most. It's not in stuff, but it's in the people that are in our lives. And as Tony and I were talking this week, just talking about how in America we are so spoiled. There are people right now in third world countries who are living each day trying to figure out how to keep their malnutrition children alive because of starvation. And over here we're crying because our Wi-Fi went out. You know, if you think about apples for apples, it just doesn't measure up. The difference between a starving child and Wi-Fi is just there's no comparison. This week, a pastor friend of mine asked for prayer because a family that he knows or is in their church, their one-and-a-half-year-old went unresponsive for no apparent reason. And they found out she passed away. They only had one Christmas with this little child. One. And now this Christmas, they're going to have to celebrate without her. A year ago, a friend of ours lost the little boy. And on the anniversary of his funeral, her daughter stillborn birthed another child. You want to talk about what really matters. It's not the stuff that we get worked up for. It's the people in our lives that matter. It's the people that are ever before us. It's the gifts that God has given us. And often, we not only do we ignore the people because of the busyness, but we also ignore the one that this season is completely about. We ignore the one who this is about. God wants our words of affirmation. Amen? He wants to be praised. Not because he's an egomaniac. It's because he knows what happens in us when we worship he wants our gifts of service. Why? Because when we serve him, we're blessing other people. God wants our quality time. Why? Because when we spend time with God, we grow in our faith. The power of the Holy Spirit can overflow in our lives and the world can change. He wants our physical touch. He wants our hearts. He wants everything that he asks for us to do for other people. He wants for himself because he wants that relationship with us. And often the one who is most neglected in this time is the one who we're supposed to be celebrating. But how do we give him our hearts? How do we serve the Lord? How do we minister to the Lord? It's so easy 
but it's often overlooked. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to the least of these, my brothers, you do it unto me. He said, if you pray, don't do it so others can see you. But go into your closet where no one can see you and pray in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. If you throw a party, don't invite those that can invite you back. How, how difficult is that? When we plan our parties, we invite it for the people that we, we know most often and those that we love. But he's saying if you're going to throw a banquet, don't invite people that can just invite you back to theirs because that's your reward. If you invite the people that will love you in return, the people that can invite you back, then when you get invited to theirs, that's the reward you get for inviting them to yours. He said, don't just invite those who will invite you back, but invite the homeless, the crippled, the poor, the naked, and the blind. And when Jesus returns, you will be rewarded. In Matthew 5, 46 and 47, it says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do so much. If you're kind only to your friends, how different are you than anyone else? Even pagans do that. So what God is calling us, the way to minister to our God is not just in how we show love to one another for those who it's easy to love, but it's how we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow his example by loving those who are hard to love. By loving those who are unlovely. By loving those who don't love us in return. Love that reaps an eternal reward comes with sacrifice. It comes without any tangible benefit of return for ourselves. It's giving up what I want to serve my family. It's giving up what I want to serve community. It's giving up my comfort to help make someone else comfortable. See, it's easy to love those who would love us in return, but it's not so easy to love those who despise us, who think badly of us. But those are the same people that are passionately loved by God. When we say everyone matters to God, we mean it. Everyone matters. And God has raised us up to new life so that we can lead others to new life as well. And as the church of Jesus Christ, he's called us to reveal his love, not just to those who we live around, not those who we just worship with. He's called us to show his love to the world. To the world. To pursue the 99. To go find the one that's run away. So this Christmas season, rather than being consumed with buying gifts, just for our families or our friends, let's not forget to be the gift to others who don't even know. The one who is the greatest gift. That's why we're partnering with our community to raise funds for these boxes for necessities. There are organizations that did drives every year that stopped this year because of COVID, but yet the need still exists. And so other community organizations or, or churches are collecting money to donate. We're partnering with Walmart. They're going to box everything for us, and we're just going to donate the money for the boxes and then organize volunteers to do the delivery. But you know, the need goes on. And you think, well, how does that help anyone? Well, if you needed the box and you got it, you'd know how it helped you, right? But giving to a need like that is a way to show love without any tangible return. You don't know if that person is ever going to know or ever going to do anything for you in return. But it's love the Lord through an act of mercy. We want to love our city. We want to store away treasure in heaven. So when the Lord returns, he'll get to enjoy, we'll get to enjoy his gifts for all eternity. Amen.
for this season, as we look to present our greatest gift, let's present the greatest present we have, and that's our time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Jesus, for your words, not just of caution, but of revelation. God, in your word, you reveal not just how you want us to live, but why you want us to live that way. You want us to live that way so not only can our lives be incredibly blessed, that our joy can be full, that our hope can be strong, that our faith can be steadfast, but that so through our lives, others can come to know the same love and grace that you have given to us. So God, I just ask you right now in Jesus' name, as we are beginning this season, as we are entering the full swing of the Christmas holidays, God, let us not lose sight of what matters most, and that's the people that are in our lives. Don't let us become so greedy for things that we run out of resources to be blessing to other people. Let us not just look at the people that love us as the focus of our attention and our love and our blessings. But God, let us look outside of ourselves, even to those who don't love us. Maybe those that have hurt us. Those that have stabbed us in the back. Those that we need to forgive. Lord, in this broken world, I know we've all dealt with pain. We've all dealt with struggle. We've all dealt with issues in our lives that are hard to overcome. But that's what's so amazing about your grace. And your mercy that's new every morning. So Lord, I just ask you that your presence, that the true spirit of Christmas, your Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus, that you would so fill our lives. That like the word of God says, we'd become a light that shines for all to see a city on a hill, and that light would begin to burn bright in our homes with our families as we speak life over one another. And God, that faith would grow outside of the walls of our homes and the protection of our homes into our schools and into our workplaces and into the community organizations we're involved in, God. And that the gospel would be preached, not just in word, but also in deed, in might and in power. And Lord, I just pray right now, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they've never had a moment where they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God, that right now, in Jesus' name, they would turn to you, recognizing you are the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift we could hope to receive is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So God, I pray for those that are here that need to accept you as their Savior. I also pray, Lord, for those who have needs, that have burdens, that are carrying heavy loads. Lord, that, that just have issues that they would like to, to lay before you. God, I pray for them. Father, as we go into a time of response and worship, that as people come forward, Lord, that your power would be released. Your Holy Spirit would move, that people would be healed, that prophetic words would be spoken, that strongholds would be broken, that bondage would be released, captives would go free, that doubter would become the convinced God in Jesus' name. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do.
From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.